I was sharing with you last week about our attitudes. Our attitudes alone will not bring the giant down. The attitudes will not make the giants disappear. How many of you know the giants continue to mock and they continued to look even bigger as day goes by by day? But our attitudes helped us to get the faith and hope to go against the giants. But attitudes do not make the giants go away. And I want to talk to you today about an approved perception about perceiving, seeing things the way God sees it, to see that the waves are not as high, that are not going to conquer me like I think they are. And the voices of the giants screaming our names, telling us you're not going to win, you're not going to overcome, there's no hope in your marriage, no hope for your life. And we hear these words. And, you know, when I was a child, when we were children, many of us had the type of parents who would tell us, if you want to be a doctor, a nurse, a banker, they would tell us, you could be anything you want to. But as we got older and we started hearing other voices, and I don't know about you, but started getting your report card, you started wondering if mama knew what mama was talking about. But they were encouraging words about, if you can do it, if you believe, you can go for it. And the thing about it is, is that God, he would be like your mama, your dad telling you, I'm your parent now, and I have good plans, and I have a good future, and I want you to expect and believe for great things. Don't give in to what you perceive as the truth. Many things that we perceive as the truth is not the truth and he's trying to train us in the word how to see things and i shared with you last week in Job chapter 3 verse 10 let the weak say i'm what let the weak say what i'm strong listen i've been serving the lord for for almost 40 years he has never he's spoken to me but he has never asked me russ do you feel like it he's never asked me if i felt like anything He's never asked me how I feel, even when he speaks to me. He doesn't ask me how I feel because my next step doesn't depend on how I feel. It depends on what he says. And so no matter what God wants you to do, it's not about, well, God, I don't feel like, how, do, do you feel like serving me today? Well, no, God, really, I don't. He's not going to ask you how you feel. He just gives you his commandments. And about let the weak say I'm strong, it's not about that you feel strong. It's about you keep speaking inside of you, I am strong. Because the giants have a voice. I'm looking at Brother David Williams. He, he's over six feet tall. He's a, a little bit, he weighs a little bit more than I do, big old guy. And uh, he's got one of them deep baritone voices. And uh, he's only probably about, what, what, six four, six two. Can you imagine 10 feet? And he, when you hear him talk, I imagine his boys, his, his, their dad would say, don't do that, boy. Don't do that, boys. And I imagine they go, yes, sir, we sure won't. Well, can you imagine a 10-foot giant with 900 pounds of armor saying, I'm going to kill you. Those voices, you may see. Movies about giants on TV, Jack and the Beanstalk, their voices vibrate everything. Those voices dominate everything. And the voices of the giants were against, they try to dominate all the word of God. They try to dominate all the good things people say about you, and you end up believing the worst. You end up criticizing yourself saying, they, 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 they say, you know, I think you're a pretty good guy. I think you're a pretty good uh, musician. I think you're a pretty good person to get to know. I'd like to get to know better. And then they'll go, no, you don't want to know me. No, I'm not a good musician. No, I don't have that talent. And they start downing themselves because the giants have been speaking these lies and they believe the lie and it brings them down. When the Bible says, I want you to get the attitude of speaking the reverse of whatever you believe about yourself or anybody else. I want you to get strong in that. And we saw this in Joshua and Caleb. It says here, and it says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people. I shared last week how they came back. They were bearing the fruit. The land was just like God said it was going to be. 
But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let us go at once. What an attitude. Let us go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Say that with me. We can certainly conquer it. Now that's the attitude of an overcomer. That's the attitude of somebody who's going to get it done. That's the attitude of somebody who's going to excel in life. That's somebody who's going to get their marriage just breaking apart and rescue it and their children and rescue it. That's the people who are going to do something for the glory of God. How many want to be that person? Can I hear an amen? But let me share something with you as I was reading this. And we, I shared with you the scripture that said that Caleb and Joshua had a different type of attitude. Remember that scripture last week? And I was thinking about it, that they had a different attitude. And God said, you're going in the promised land. And then I thought about it. A lot of times we can keep a good attitude until what we're expecting doesn't change. Can you imagine Caleb and Joshua having to wait years till all the old people died God said the 10 spies and everybody now none of them are going to enter into the promised land they're going to have to all die off before you can go into the promised land how many would have been upset about that I mean all of a sudden God gave you a promotion but it's got a glitch you're going in the promised land but you got to wait till everybody dies well I would be opening the paper every day let's see how many died today I'd be looking at the obituary. I would be thinking, how can we poison the water again? I mean, man, I'm not going in till, till you die and you die and you die and you die. How many would have that attitude? Why don't you die? I mean, how many would get an attitude? Who likes to wait on people till they change? How many can get an attitude? I mean, right up in your face. When somebody doesn't change, you stand before him, you get married, and you're looking in the eyes, oh, yes, I do. I love you, too. I love you, too. I love you, too. And then you end up, then you move together. Day in and day out. And you think, I did the same thing. I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna know who that was. <laughs> and, and then you think, because I thought this at 17 years old. I'm going to marry her, and I'm going to change her. And she thought, I'm going to marry him, and I'm going to change him. <laughs> that didn't work. That was called Hurricane Cobb. <laughs> that didn't work. And here they are. You can't go in till the ten spies are dead. I imagine they thought, why don't you die? Bad weeds don't die. That's true. That's why I'm here. I mean, why don't you die? Can you imagine the attitude that would build up? Why, why doesn't something happen? Why doesn't somebody just take them out? Why can't the enemy come in? Why, why do we have to wait till they change? And it's so easy in the changing, waiting for them to change. But how about waiting for ourselves to change? Man, I am so tired of being me. If I was God, I wouldn't love me either. If I was that person, I wouldn't stay with me. And we get these attitudes while we're waiting on change. And the wait is one of the hardest times. Joshua and Caleb, for years, had to control their attitude, waiting on everybody to pass away. But don't you know they were counting? 100 left to go. Pack your bags, baby. 50 more to go. Don't you know the day the last one died, they go, ho, 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 we're crossing over finally. But we don't want to have that attitude that would end up kicking us out of the promises of God. 
And it's hard to have those attitudes. And, and it's easy to have those attitudes, but it's hard to have the attitude of Christ about loving and being long-suffering. Now, that's a big fruit. I mean, I told you about last week. Joshua ripped his clothes, Caleb, and Joshua tagged him, and they were chest-pumping. They were high-fiving. And now we find them singing, we are never, ever getting back together. I mean, they're the ones who sung that song, you know. I mean, we are never, ever getting back together. I mean, you guys are dying. We're going over the promised land. I mean, they were ready to go. Why do I have to wait for this? And it's just, man, all this headache about waiting. And we see that David Starr, I found this by David Starr. I said, wisdom is knowing what to do next. Virtue is doing it. Virtue is doing it. And I looked up the definition of virtue, and it means behavior that shows high morals and high standards. I'm going to keep my standards and my morals according to the Word of God. I am a Christian, and I'm going to live like a Christian. And they're not changing at work. They're not changing at home. Things haven't changed in my atmosphere. But I'm going to change to be more Christ-like. It means to be a good and a desirable person. The word virgin comes from the word uh, virtue. It means to receive the benefit and the advantage from submitting. Lord, I'm going to submit to you where I'm going to submit to your will and there's an advantage going to come over me. It means integrity and worthiness. It means a good quality, attribute, strength. It means having the advantage, the benefit, usefulness. All of these words is the word virtue. And we see in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, look what it says. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Now just let that word soak into you. You're thinking, they're not changing. I'm not changing, so all we're doing is fighting. They'll never change. You hear people say they'll never change. Well, you always hear, you try changing first and then they'll change. Some people may never change, but the, the blessing and the benefit and the promotion comes upon the person that is able to change themselves. And that comes with changing our perspective. It says here, all diligence add. Never stay satisfied where you're at. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And of self-control, perseverance. And perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Look, look at this, verse 8. For if these things are yours, personal ownership, you have been diligent to get a hold of them. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. The ten spies were short-sighted even to blindness. All they saw were the size of the giants and they quit seeing the size of God. Spiritual blindness. You're, we cannot see a change in somebody if I'm short-sighted and I'm blind. I just keep seeing shadows, and I just keep seeing, listen, I just keep seeing the thing getting bigger and bigger. And I shared with you in the Word last night, not only am I starting to see it bigger, I start exaggerating about what I am seeing. I start exaggerating about what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling, and I start going by what I see and, and, and the short side. And then I start seeing details that are not even true, and I start perceiving something is wrong here. It's kind of like I read about this old guy. He said, uh, he was talking about, he said, like the farmer who woke up in a hospital to find that his loyal wife was by his side, ready to comfort him. He said, you know, Martha, when we were first married, hell destroyed our first crop, but you were right by my side. Two years later, lightning struck our barn and destroyed the crop and the barn. 
but you stayed right by my side. And still later, when we got into dairy farming and a disease ravaged the whole herd, and you were right there by my side, through it all, Martha, you were always by my side. She responded, yes, George, I was. He said, now that I'm really sick here in this hospital, here you are again, by my side. She says, yes, I am, George. George responded, you know what, Martha? I think you're bad luck. <laughs> This perspective, the way I see things, the way we judge things. You know, last week I was talking to some people. I could have six people up here and ask all six of them. I could put an ink splot like they show on TV. I could put an ink splot on the screen. And most people say it's a bat because that's what Batman said. But I'll put an ink splot up there and I'll ask you what you see. Six people will see different things. Everybody sees something in a different way. We're all different. So how can my perspective be right on every time when everybody sees things in a different way? Walking around paranoid about what other people are thinking or saying or this is what I believe they're thinking and they're saying. That's what we read about the ten spies last week. We think, they say, they became mind readers. And so we get the wrong perspective and we can never come against the giants as long as we have these things working on the inside of us. And my doubts, my insecurities become my perception of others but also of myself. And things start coming in. But it says, you have to all diligence add. You know, we hear about the importance of... Uh, you know, keeping your portfolio and investing in retirement and making a, a, a continual investment. Your retirement will never grow unless you do a faithful investment. How about investing in our attitudes? Amen. How about a continual investment in my attitude if something needs to change? How about an investment, a continual investment to watch my perspective and my attitude change? About, Lord, I'm asking you to do these things in my life, but yet I know you've been speaking to me about changing areas of my life, so I have to change my perspective so that I can work on my attitude. And, and you know, attitudes is one of the major purchases that you can purchase in your life. And we'll put a lot of thought into buying a house, a lot of thought into buying a car, a lot of thought into going on a vacation or whatever it may be. But how much thought do we put in how I need to change in the area of my attitude so that can God can show His grace and His glory and be blessed through my life? Can I hear an amen in here this morning? You know, George Washington, when he was in high school, wrote 17 laws that he, he lived by. I'm not going to read them all to you. You can look them up on the internet. But these 17 rules of life is what George Washington lived by from high school. And number one, look at this. Act at all times as in the presence of God and make it the great object in all things to please Him. Thank you, God, for another president like that in Jesus' name. Amen. But, but how goes the people goes the president? We want a good president, but we, the people, need to be a people of morals like that also. And it says, act at all times like in the presence of God. The two spies that were accepted to go into the promised land, they acted and believed like God. He said, God is on our side. They're like bread to us. They're nothing. Their defense is taken away because we have God. You act as if you're in the presence of God and make it the great object in all things to please Him. Number two, look what it says. Seek first of all to gain clear views of his will and with regard to all things to be perfectly conformed to it. Now, I may not understand everything. It may not please me in everything, but God, I know my life is not about pleasing me. I'm not going to be so self-centered that you've got to change your mind to, to accept my mind. I, I'm supposed to give up my will 
to have your will. And that's what George's, President George Washington is saying here. Number three, George. I knew George. Number three. Look what it says. I love this one. Number three. Cherish no thoughts. Cherish no thoughts. Indulge no feelings. Speak no words. And do no actions but what you really think after the light you can gain will most honor God. Most benefit others. And give you the greatest joy when you come to the, be exhibited before the assembled universe at judgment day. Now is that powerful? Think about it. Man, before I, when I stand before God and everything I've done has been exhibited before God, how are my actions going to be identified before God? What am I doing in my life? And he says, cherish no thoughts. Be careful what you're thinking. Don't indulge in feelings, but just be careful that you really think and say is what God would have you do. And number four, look at this. Begin and end each day by a season of communion with God and by a solemn and hearty commitment to yourself and of all your interests, temporal, eternal, and to be His guidance, care, and disposal. And then I'm going to jump. I'm sorry, I didn't give you that one. And then I'm going to jump to number 11. This will be the last one I'll share with you here. Let all statements and narrations be the exact exhibition of the real truth. Somebody shout out the real truth. The real truth. How many of you know the Word of God says the truth, God's truth, sets you free? And as I dig into that Word, as I make it my point to get with God in His Word every morning, it will help change my mind and my attitudes, help change my direction and show me the way I'm to go. Romans 8, 28, a scripture we all know, but listen to this. And we know, shout out, I know, all things. Now, to be strong, you've got to believe that all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to His promise. You've got to believe that all things work together for good. And if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. That my God is able to turn anything and everything around. That all things work for my good. And it may not look like those giants are standing there. That land may look like it's impossible to occupy. But I've got to believe that God is going to turn it around. Because God is the filter system over my life. And whatever is coming into my life that God has permitted. It's for my good. But I do know that it has a date that is going to be over with. That God is going to promote me. And he's going to promote me when I finally learn to have a good attitude. While going through something harsh as I am. Amen. It's that keeping that attitude through those hard times. Now, Paul had a lot to be discouraged about, but I love this. Philippians 1.19 in the message translation. I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Amen. I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. I want your husbands, husbands, look at your wives and say, I'm going to keep the celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. Wives, look at your husbands and say, I'm going to keep the celebration going because I know how it's all going to turn out. Can you give the Lord praise? Come on, give the Lord praise. It's written. Keep celebrating. The giants are not in control of my future. God is in control of my future. He is going to cause all things to work together for my good. Amen. Did y'all hear about Sam and Jed? Up in Colorado, they heard about they were given a $1,000 bounty on every wolf that you can capture. So Sam said, you know what? We're going to go capture some wolves and make some quick money. So they're in Colorado. They're camping. And all of a sudden, Jed wakes up and he hits Sam on the side and says, Sam, wake up. We're going to die. Sam woke up. He says, look, we're surrounded by wolves. 
Jed, Jed says, we're not going to die. We're rich. <laughs> it's just your perspective. It's just how you see it. Somebody says we're going to die. The other person says we're going to be rich. It's how you see it. And listen, I want to tell you. Even in my own life, areas of my own life, I've had to work on. My wife, she, she, she's a certified counselor, got her master's, and, and I read some of her books and study, and she's talked to me. There's so many times I have believed things that are so far from the truth. How about you? I've had people tell me, Pastor, I didn't want to talk to you because I just know that you know. And I go, you, I know what? <laughs> you know? Know what? Well, you know that you know. What do I know? Well, yeah, you know. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did this and that and the other. No, I didn't know, but thank you for telling me. You know, we're not married. No, we're just living together. No, I didn't know that. Well, we knew you knew that. No, I didn't know that. So I guess you want to get married. Well, yeah, kind of. Anyway, you know, so many people, they... <laughs> So many people, they, they, they just take it that you already know. Because they're walking around, they know. They know why the giant inside of them knows that keeps them from killing the giant outside. Those thoughts that keep them in that attitude of misery and, 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 and I'm going to lose. And, and, and they go, Pastor, I'm, I'm a divorcee. No, you're not. You're a child of God that had a divorce, but the divorce was an event. doesn't make you who you are. Pastor, I, I had to file bankruptcy. I, I, I never wanted to, but I had to file bankruptcy. I, I'm a loser. No, you're not. You're a son and a daughter of God that did an event, but it doesn't establish who you are. There's somebody here today. You might have lost your job, and there are some. You've lost your job or you're not making the money you used to make and you feel like, man, I'm, I'm just a, a loser. I can't provide like I want to for my family. I used to be a good provider and now I, I just can't and I don't know where it's going to ever end. Listen, I'm, I'm a loser. I, I, I'm just broke. I, I'll never do nothing in my life. Listen, events don't establish who you are if you don't let them. What you did doesn't make you who you are. It's who you continue to grow into is who you are. It's how God, who will allow good things to come upon you, attended you. Well, you know, I did drugs and I still have scars and, and I, I was drunk and, and, and I did this and I was in prison and, and I did this. Those were events. They don't establish who you are. Don't let the giants keep telling you, I was a failure of a father. I was a failure of a mother. I was this, that, and the other. You've got to stop believing what the giants have been telling you for years. And their voices are loud. You've got to get louder than them. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the sick say I'm healed. Let the poor say I'm rich. Let, let him who feels defeated say I am victorious and more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. We can't go by perspective. Here's the definition of perspective. Look at this. The state of being or process of becoming aware of something in such a way. I want to become such aware of the life of Christ in my life that it totally takes over my old life. It, it, and I, I didn't put it up here. I'm sorry, but it says it also means a way of regarding and understanding or interpreting something. It means a mental impression. Perspective in those giants were They were insects and the giants were big But I showed you out of the word But the truth is the giants were scared of the Israelites It's all the perspective 
It goes on to mean an impression, an idea, a conception, a notion, a thought, a belief, a judgment, an estimation. Man, I'm having to quit my job. I'm having to move in my family. I'm having to go back to school. I'm I'm having to get two jobs. I'm, I'm, I'm having to explain to my children why we can't go on vacation this year. I feel like such a failure. Listen, this is not your future in its advent. It's now, but it's not going to be your tomorrow in the name of Jesus. But if we adapt that mental attitude that this is who I am, I always make a mess of everything I get my hands into. I mess up every relationship. I can't ever trust getting into another relationship because I'll mess it up like I messed up the last one. No, you've got to stop letting the giants of the past tell you what your future holds when God has created a good future. We're hoping a future for you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to prove this to you in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel goes to anoint next king and look what it says. And God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and statue. I've already eliminated him. Just like he eliminated the ten spies. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks into the heart to be approved by him. Then it says that Jesse started calling his sons and, and God started saying, nope, this isn't my choice. This isn't my choice. In verse 10, look what it says. And Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel and Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. And when you read about them, they all had the wrong attitude. But look at this. Verse, verse 11, I'm sorry. Verse 11. Then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yes, there's the runt. You see that? Well, yes, there's the runt. But he's not good for anything but tending sheep. I mean, here's a boy who ended up writing the biggest book in the Bible and worship and praise songs that we still sing today. The runt killed the giant. The one whose daddy said he's the runt, he's no good, he's weak, he's only good for doing this and that and the other. He ended up killing the giant. The one that Saul said, you'll never be able to do it because this giant's a warrior from his youth up. The one whose Mike Saul's daughter teased because he worshipped God before God with all of his heart. David learned how to take criticism and not let criticism to take him. He didn't allow other people's opinions to be his own opinion. He allowed God's opinion to be his opinion. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. He believed what God had to say about the situation. He believed what God had to say about himself. And not the type of life, the mistakes and the events that he did. He believed in a God that was able to keep him in all of his ways. It's not the events. It's the way and the opinion you take that God gives you. Can I hear an Amen. And he said, yeah, he's the runt. He's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. Go get the runt. We're not moving this spot till he comes. In verse 12, he goes on to say, Jesse sent for him and he was brought in. And look at this. This don't make any sense. Look, the very picture of health, I thought he was a runt. Even his own dad had the wrong perspective of him. I was expecting some little kid to come in all sickly and all that, you know, with, (laughs) did I do something wrong? (laughs) The runt, (laughs) typical kid, am I in trouble? I mean, there's Samuel, there's Jesse, there's his brothers. Be typical. (laughs) Did I do something wrong? No. He was healthy. 
bright-eyed, good-looking. And God said, get on your feet and anoint him. This runt, he's the one. It doesn't matter how others saw him. It's how I perceive him that's going to cause him to be who I've called him to be. Amen. Look at this. Anoint him. He's the one. And Samuel took the flask of oil and anointed him with his brother standing around watching. And the day he killed his giants, the brothers were there and they were going, I know your heart. I know you just want to see the war. I know. Because David was saying, can I kill the giant? And they go, I know your heart. No, they didn't know his heart. God knew his heart. There's a lot of people that tell you, I know your heart. I know who you are. I know where you come from. I know who you are. Uh Uh-uh. Only God knows your heart. You don't live. By the giant's opinions. You don't live by your daddy and your brother's or your mother's opinion. You don't expect because of what other people are saying you are. They were calling them runt. God and the prophet called them awesome. People call you nothing. God calls you tremendous. He calls you his son, his daughter. He calls you an overcomer. I speak of character. Posture speaks of courage. 2 Corinthians 10, 7. Do not look at things according to the outward appearance. It's in the word. Don't let your perception take over your life. First Timothy 4, Paul gave Timothy some words. He says, get the word out. Teach all of these things and don't let anyone put you down because you're young. Don't let anyone put you down because you're divorced. Don't put, let anyone put you down because you don't have a job right now. Don't let anyone, don't even put yourself down because God is in control do you hear this don't let anyone put you down because you're young teach believers look at this now with your life by word and look at this by your demeanor man take a hold of that this is teaching of Christ this is the Holy Spirit revealed to the Apostle Paul your demeanor your attitude We think so many things, there's so many things that are important, but we put our attitude on a back shelf. No, listen, I'm telling you, your attitude has to go out front. Your demeanor, your attitude is what show others about Christ. It goes on to say, you know, your demeanor, your attitude, uh, uh, your love by faith, by integrity. Stand your post, reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching, and that special gift of ministry you were given by leaders of the church laid hands on you and prayed. Keep yourself dusted off, keep that dusted off and in use. Look at this. Cultivate these things. Somebody says, you can't, you're not going to heaven. You're not dressing in the right clothes. You just smile and go, I'm on my way to heaven and my journey's getting sweeter every day. You don't have to go, well, I don't believe that. What church you come from? You don't have to talk back to that religious spirit. If they say you're rejected by what you wear, what you don't wear, what you look like, you just know that the Bible says God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. You hear me, church? You can't dress or make up your way or not make up your way to heaven. It's not the gold or the silver. It's not long or short hair. It's, it's not the outward appearance. It's about the heart. And we work on the outward. But I know people who work so hard on the outward, but they're devils on the inside. My dad pastored a church where they had the outward going, 
But he only lasted seven months. And them little old ladies with hair up to here ran him off with a chain. He, we ran for our lives. The outward doesn't matter. The inward does. But cultivate these things. You don't do that, you're not going to heaven. Jesus, I think that your word says, if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, I am saved. Ain't nobody sending me hell because I don't have their opinion. Ain't nobody sending me to hell. Ain't nobody talking me out of my salvation, including the devil. Because my name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because it says, whosoever will. And I'm one of those that I know I'm born again and I'm saved. Ain't no devil, no person, no religion, no tradition going to talk me out of my salvation. Now, I won't fight with him. But I'll fight with my mind. What if they're right? Well, then, cultivate. Cultivate. What does the word say? Immerse yourself in others' opinions. No. Immerse yourself in the word of God. You see that? People will all see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character. Hey, it's not just the teaching. It's not just the preaching. It's not just the works. Keep a firm both hold on your character and your teaching. And don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Well, Pastor, what if I'm not good enough? Just keep at it. What if I'm continuing to mess up and I don't even like me? Just keep at it. What if I can't change it? Just keep at it. Nobody has arrived, but the word keeps pointing us in the right direction. Can I hear an amen? Look at this. Let me tell you what Paul said in, in, in a, real quickly here. Be an example. Do what you know to do. Use your strengths. Look at this, number four. Don't be intimidated or sidetracked. Don't grow impatient or grab the wrong thing our personal feeling. Number five, be disciplined and grow. Like David with his brothers, I will not compromise my character. It's my character that will bring me forward. Character is built in the hard times, in the face of conflict. I have to focus on the challenge, not on the criticism. I know my motives, others do not. I'm worshiping God with all of my heart. I'm not crazy. I'm just passionate for my God. The anointing does the works of God on us for God. Number six, look what it says here. My strength is renewed by my past successes. He keeps reminding himself of the line of bear, how God brought him out from before. Look at this. The gift is greater than we are. I'm not just getting something prepared for me, but God is getting something prepared for others. Look at this. Our life and job is bigger than we are. That's why our faith is what he can do, not what I can do alone myself. I don't do things on my own opinion or of myself or others' opinion. I do it by faith in God. And look at this, number 20. Remember this. The right perception results in victory. Stop looking at how big the giants are and stop looking about all your past and weaknesses. Just keep the right perception, the right attitude, and you'll go forward. And I love this quote by Ralph Waldo. Emerson, whatever you do, you will need courage. And whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you you're wrong. There is always difficulties arising which tempt you to believe that your critics are right. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men to win them. Would you stand, please? I want you to think about what this man was saying here. 
It's the same thing we saw with David. You'll get excited. You'll leave here today, you'll get excited. You know what? I'm going to start over in life. I'm going to believe there is a, a, a person out there for me to get to know who can love me that I can know. I'm going to quit saying that I'll never win at a relationship or a marriage or I'll never have the right job or I'll never see success in my life. I want you to believe that right now. When you leave here, you're believing God's going to keep you on course. There's going to be people who's going to tell you you're doing it all wrong. You're all wrong. They're going to criticize you. You're going to criticize yourself. You're going to be tempted to say, you know, I've never done anything right. Every decision I make, I hear people say, every decision I make is a wrong decision. Will you do yourself a favor and after today, stop saying that? Say, Lord, I look to you to give me wisdom in all of my decisions. I'm not a failure. I don't make mistakes. I learn to live by what God has to say. I take him at his word and I get the right perception. I'm not going to be tempted to believe what the critics say. I'm not going to believe what the enemy has to say. I'm not going to go by what the studies say. Studies say that if you have an income of this, you won't be able to do this. Or if you have an education of this, you won't be able to do this. Listen, like you, I've had teachers that would say publicly, okay, y'all pay attention. Russell's, going, Russell's not going to answer the question. Let's hear him make a mistake. In front of the, this was in Bible school. Not regular school, in Bible school. Let's hear Russell make a mistake. I showed her wrong. I made one right. But listen to me. You can't listen to what people are saying. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. And He guides and leads me in all the truth. Thank God for other teachers. But the teacher sent from God is the Holy Ghost. And He will teach you who to marry. He will teach you what work to do. He will teach you what to study. He will give you a desire. He will give you a passion. Then He will cause it to work for your good. The Holy Spirit is activated in your life to cause things to work, to move relationships. If you go around saying, I don't have any friends, ask the Holy Spirit to unite you with a brother and a sister, some friends that you have something in common that would cause a relationship that you could build on each other, encourage one another. Don't allow things of the past to hold you captive of the past. Those giants have to fall in Jesus' name. There's no one here that was born to be defeated. There's no one here that is born again in Christ Jesus that is born to live a life being conquered by the enemy. God wants to rescue you today. Would you bow your heads, please? Bow your head and close your eyes. No one's looking around. Right now, I just want you just right now, just allow your heart to open before God. If you're here today, I don't want to see any hands, but if you're here today and you battle the critics... It could be your family, friends. It could be yourself. You could be your own worst enemy. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have made that mistake. If you feel you're living a life based upon all this criticism of events and mistakes of your life, I just want to pray over you right now. And just before God, I want you to believe His Spirit will come upon you and just take off and erase all the wrong on your life. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. And I lift up this precious child and daughter of yours right now. You know those that are battling so many inward battles, the giants that holler out that there's no hope and they're weak and they'll never be able to conquer this addiction or conquer that. They'll never ever feel any self-worth. Lord, you know the things that bombard the minds and the thoughts. But I ask you, Almighty, 
that you not only heal their bodies, but you heal their emotions and their thoughts. Lord, I praise you that your people can get your perspective of, of them. And Lord, they can start seeing how much you do love them. That nothing can separate them from this love. That they can love themselves, therefore they can love others. Lord, give us grace as we're going through the waiting period. Give us the grace to be strong and stand while it seems like nothing is changing. But we know that when nothing seems to be changing, it's my opportunity to change. Lord, I hold on to character. I desire that character and integrity be our strengths. That we'll live morally right. We'll be strong in mind and body and word. Help us to live a life that is totally pleasing unto you. Strengthen those who feel so weak and so down. Who, Lord, I ask you to heal those who are angry at themselves. I come against that anger and that shame that they hold against themselves in Jesus' name. You said you were, you come to set the captives free. I ask you to release them now in the name of Jesus. Every form of captivity over your mind and emotions be free in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The most important question I want to ask you this morning before you go is how your life, how your relationship is with Jesus Christ. He died to give you life and to give you a better life. He's the only way to eternal life and the only way to have life. If you're here today and you know your life is not right with God, you're not living a right life, but you want to get it right, would you raise your hand right there where you are? Say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior and surrender my life to Him. God bless you, young lady. Anyone else today? I want to surrender my life to Christ. God bless you, sir. God, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else today? Back there, God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Anyone else today? I know I have to get my life right with Christ. Hand over here. God bless you, sir. Over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else today? God bless you. I want all those who raise their hands. I want